Welcome to the Cover Crop Strategies podcast. I'm Sarah Hill, Associate Editor. Montag Precision Metering Equipment is helping producers achieve their yield goals while saving on seed and input costs. For establishing cover crops, Montag's family of seed platform equipment adapts to a variety of major brand delivery systems that will conserve seed and nutrients along with soil and water. Explore new options for your production and conservation goals with your Montag dealer or on the Montag Manufacturing website. Today, I'd like to introduce David Miller, a grower from Red Lake Falls, Minnesota. David will be discussing interseeding, relay cropping, and polycropping. Welcome to the podcast, David. Thank you. So to get us started, uh, tell us a little bit about your farm. We farm in Northwest Minnesota. Um, we raise about eight or nine different crops and a lot of different uh, cover crops as well. We raise about 160 cow-calf pairs of beef livestock, farm just over 1,200 acres and about 600 acres of uh, pasture land. Great. Talk a little bit about your uh, motivation when, to start no-tilling and strip-tilling. We started farming in 1989. Um, my father did a good job with conservation with the tools he had, but we, we saw some, some problems. Um, there was a lot of erosion, especially wind erosion um, with the tillage. We have some very light soils in this area. Um, and also in college, I learned the value of organic matter. Um, and I really wanted to increase that. Our organic matter was probably either side of 2% way back then. So I, that, was, that was my primary goals at the time. So we started no-tilling in about 94 um, with a 750 drill and, and also built the uh, interseeder at the time, a yetter interseeder. So that was our start. And we, we went with that for quite a while and we improved on the erosion side of things pretty well, but I never really saw the improvement in organic matter that I wanted to see. So cover crops kind of seemed to be the next, next thing to, to make that piece of the puzzle work. And I think it's been a good addition. Awesome. So uh, talk a little bit about your soil type and maybe also how that influences uh, your cover crop decisions. Yeah, so our soil is a sandy loam, but we do have some clay down about three feet. So we, we do have the ability to hold some moisture on most in most of the areas, but uh, drainage is an issue. Getting the soil to absorb the water is an issue. So the cover crops are helping with the infiltration and also the water holding capacity. They're very prone to, to wind erosion and water erosion. So getting that soil covered and, and having roots in it is, is a big plus. Okay. So you mentioned that you have uh, beef cattle. Do you graze those cover crops then? Yes, we graze just about every acre. Um, we start out in the spring by calving on cereal rye. Once that cereal rye has been grazed and calves are all born, we'll go to the native pastures through much of the season. And then that, that cereal rye will get planted to sunflowers. So that's kind of another way the sunflowers fit into the operation as a later planted crop. But then once uh, once that pasture has kind of run out, we've got interseeded fescue to go to. It works out really well, very high tonnage quality crop. And eventually we'll go to corn stalks, um, fall seeded cover crops and we'll graze well into the fall and even you know as far as late as january and february sometimes we'll plant a crop just for grazing or a cornfield just for grazing just for the purpose to stay above the snow 
Sounds good. So can you quantify for our listeners how you've been able to reduce fertilizer and pesticide use by leveraging cover crops? Um, My daughter does kind of the financials, but she assures me we're we're making more money doing it this way. (laughs) But uh, I would say we've reduced our, our, our fertilizer by maybe close to 40% at this point, especially phosphorus. We've been able to cycle that a lot better with the cover crops. Little reduction there, but not quite as much. All right. Um, what are some challenges that your operation deals with that um, maybe cover crops have been able to help with? Well, the, the erosion, of course, is a big one. Um, infiltration of, of water, water holding capacity. Weed control, we found that the better cover crops we have, the less weeds are an issue. And I've talked about in my, my presentation how there's a void out there. If you don't fill that void, weeds are going to fill that void. Nature nature wasn't meant to have, have a monocrop. It was meant for diversity. So that's really our focus is diversity. Well, that's a perfect lead into my next question, which is um, kind of explain how cover crops help you adding diversity to uh, your operation. Well, you know, versus a monocrop, we're trying to bring in a, a wide variety of grass and broadleafs, you know, warmings, cool season species. And our goals are are to, you know, provide some nitrogen from legumes, but but more so to feed the livestock in the soil. We're trying to provide root exudates that'll feed all the different species of, of soil biology. And uh, also, you know, we want to give the beneficial both insects and, and soil organisms a leg up on the pathogens. Pathogens are a fairly small, you know, portion of the, of the biology. But if we give the, the beneficials the heads up, they can, they can kind of take care of that. Great. So specifically, which cover crop species have you had success with? Now, cereal rye is, is the king. You know, you can plant it just about any time, even in the late October. So that's the king. But you know, the interseeding gives us that ability to bring in a lot more. Um, we can we can bring in the warm season season species where you just can't do that if you're doing fall seeding and aerial seeding. It just doesn't pay. We kind of find that once you hit September first, there's there's not much to plant that's going to grow enough to do any good. We do mess around with winter camelina a little bit as well. Uh, vetch and, and, and rye would be the ones that will survive. Planted that late, everything else has got to be earlier than that. Okay. So how does interseeding then allow you to use that diverse mix of cover crop species? We can go in after the crop is established, you know, hopefully not providing too much competition. But we still want to get that cover crop established early enough so it can get a, get a heads up and, you know, well, it'll still have some light hitting the ground. So we get, it, we get it growing, you know, early enough in the season so it can establish. And then once that crop in the fall starts senescing a little bit and the canopy starts opening up, it can really take off, get some fall moisture. We can build some good biomass for both for grazing and above ground and below ground biology. Okay. How does interseeding help you to extend the growing season for those cover crops? Well, the alternative is, you know, in corn is to, either aerial seed or in our case, you really don't have the possibility of seeding after harvest. It's just too late. So it's really the only opportunity we have to get good cover crop establishment in corn, especially. Uh, We've tried aerial seeding and it's kind of a hit or miss. We've had good success and we've had very poor success. 
And the, the ability to put on our nitrogen at the same time also makes the, the rig that we're using you know, pretty effective. So we're not making an extra pass, we're doing it all at the same time. We'll be right back to the podcast, but first I want to thank our sponsor. Montag Precision Metering Equipment is helping producers achieve their yield goals while saving on seed and input costs. For establishing cover crops, Montag's family of seed platform equipment adapts to a variety of major brand delivery systems that will conserve seed and nutrients along with soil and water. Explore new options for your production and conservation goals with your Montag dealer or on the Montag Manufacturing website. And now, back to the podcast. How do you find a balance between interceding and getting a good cover crop establishment, but at the same time, uh, not competing too much with the cash crop? Well, there's there's a lot of components there. It's timing. Um, we've kind of played with the timing anywhere from V3 to V6 or so. Can, we want to get a, a, a cover crop established, but we don't want to see that of competition and we do we do tests and do you know yield check strips to look at that but we do want to get some establishment and get some grazing out of it too so it's, it's a balancing act and it's going to depend on species as well as as timing so it's, i think that's very site specific and even environment specific and year specific so we use a lot of different species so that we can you know, take advantage of that different season and different conditions okay you mentioned that you want to get more crops per square acre in your cover crop mix. Can you talk about maybe why you you have that philosophy? Uh, it's actually it's actually plants per square yard or square foot we're looking at. Um, the philosophy is that you have a diversity and you have a plant that the the roots can extend out a certain distance for each species, and it's going to be a little different for each species. And it's going to be based on your your seed size and and to some degree even your seed cost and try to keep your cost down. Some of your larger seeded ones you're going to have to maybe stretch out a little bit. Say say a cowpea for instance, you can plant a cowpea. It's a big seed. It's a fairly expensive seed, but it can really fill up a big void. So you don't need a lot. You know, one one per square yard is probably adequate. But something like a flax, it's going to go straight up for the most part. You can in a smaller seed, you can afford to put a few more per square yard. So we look at things like that. So it's, it's kind of a benefit cost ratio um, and species, you know, type. So there's a, lot, there's a lot of considerations there. Okay, great. Talk a little bit about how you use biostrips in, in your corn crop. Okay, well, I, I mentioned how our, our drill is kind of set up for paired rows and this gives us the ability to plant those different species in different rows. So. We're trying to put something there that's going to capture the nutrients that are left over from the previous crop and also prepare that soil for the for the coming corn crop. So we have something like a radish in there that's going to break compaction, maybe pick up some extra nitrogen that's left over. Um, we got a flax in there that's going to help, you know, with the mycorrhizal fungi and things like that. We're looking at things that are going to prepare that soil, capture nutrients. Maybe have some legumes in there to try to build a little bit of nitrogen. They don't have a lot of time to do that at that point, but it all helps with the biology to get it going. Very good. So uh, you mentioned that you built your own interseeder. Um, talk a little bit about that experience. Well, the first one was was done on a shoestring budget. We just 
bought a little row crop cultivator and found some openers on Craigslist. And I picked up a little gandy box on an auction sale. I think we had less than $4,000 into this rig that we put together for an eight row machine and just wanted to see if it worked. Um, we tried different timings. We had to modify it a couple of times to make it work. And it actually worked out quite well. So we did that about three years and we did that. The experiment that I had in my presentation was done with that machine. And we, we found it to be pretty successful. So we wanted to go to the next step where we could kind of get rid of a pass and build a machine that could put on the nitrogen as well. We need, we found that we needed more seed capacity. So we had a, we bought a bigger box and this really worked out quite well. We actually went with the same openers as that original machine because they were, they were adequate. Um, we did add some, some drag chains to them the last couple of years because some of the wetter conditions we were finding the seed wasn't getting covered very well. So we've made some improvements that way, but, uh, yeah. Awesome. So um, why have you found that using more cover crops or at least having cover on your operation is, is more beneficial? Oh, weed control is a big one. Um, we just, the more cover we have, the more species we have, it seems like the less weed issues we have. The only place we're dealing with weeds on our farm is, is land that we've more recently acquired. It's, it's, you know, problems we brought in done upon ourselves, not not our own problems. Um, land that we've had in our system, you know, since the 90s, um, we just have very few weed issues at all. So it, it, it helps save a lot of money in the long run. We don't need hardly any residuals, but you know, some of the newer fields we've got, we've got ragweed and water hemp and a little more challenging situations. And we have to modify our rotations a little bit until we have some, some weed control options. Or in some of our other soils, or that have been in the system longer, we can kind of do whatever we want. You mentioned that you are aiming for some long-term benefits when you use cover crops with your corn crop. Talk a little bit about those long-term benefits you're you're aiming for. Well, the big one is probably um, reduced fertility um, or you know, input use. We've been we've kind of gone to doing Haney tests on on most of our farm now. And we do our testing on a geo-reference point for versus the old days when we just did a composite samples. So it, it's hard to track like where our organic matter is at compared to then because it's not comparing apples to oranges. But I think we've improved organic matter. Perhaps, I don't know, I, I wouldn't want to put a number on it, but I've seen improvement and I've seen improvement in soil structure. I've definitely seen improvement in, in infiltration and water holding capacity. The straw through this last year, some of the fields that were in have been in longer term soil health practices definitely performed better. So long term, we're just looking at that reduced weed control, less input costs. Of course, that's always the big one. Mm -hmm. um, so talk a little bit about the interseeding trial that you conducted on your farm. It was actually done through NRCS. They had a, um, a program, it was a three-year study. So we did a corn followed by beans and went back to corn. And we don't normally do that, but we did it that for that trial. And we were just looking at the effect of different species and how they would do, whether they affected the corn yield and whether they affected weed control were the big things we were looking at, measurements we were taking and biomass production as well. Specifically, talk a little bit about the economic um, outcomes that you saw with the different uh, species. Okay, so we had we had ryegrass and we had um, rye radish turnip. We had a couple of different clover mixes and we had a complex mix in this. 
And we, we measured the biomass production and it ranged anywhere from basically nothing for the clovers to 500 pounds of dry matter for the complex and the, uh, the rye radish turnip mixes. And we looked at yields as well for, for both the corn and the beans. And what we kind of found was the higher, higher biomass um, might have had a slight reduction in yield, but very little. It wasn't statistical. Uh, the following year in beans, we actually saw a little bump in, in, in yield on the complex cover. So we did see some, some longer-term benefits from that. I don't, I don't know that the loss in, in yield was significant or not on the corn. The second year was, or the third year we grew corn, was corn again. We uh, didn't see any difference there either. So. Okay. Do you alter the cover crop mix if you plan to use a field for silage purposes? We do. Um, when we grow silage, we're looking at some different uh, priorities, I guess you could say. Um, it's going to be chopped, so we're trying to increase our tonnage. We're trying to increase our feed quality. So we've been putting things like uh, millets and sedan grasses. Sometimes they'll grow taller than the corn will, so it looks a little crazy. But uh, we'll also get some legumes in there. Yeah, we're trying to just improve that quality of that forage, get a little higher protein energy. Still have that added diversity, which we always want. Yeah, for sure. So talk a little bit about your experiences with polycropping. Okay, polycropping, you know, growing more than one crop together. Um, it's been kind of hit and miss. The first time we did it was the best time. Of course, it always seems like works that way, but we planted the uh, a small field that was oats, peas, and canola together. I called it piorola. I don't know if that's a term or not. <laughs> but uh, we, we kind of quantified it. We, we harvested it, collected the, the pounds total. And then I had it separated by a professional separating, you know, outfit to get the percentages. Worked it back economically, and, and it, it penciled out really nice. Um, the, best, the best peas we've ever grown on our farm is about 62 bushels. Um, so that year of that mix, when we figured it back, it equated to about 70 bushel peas economically. So the mix was very good. Um, the reason we didn't go forward was because of the marketing aspects and, and separation logistics costs. Sure. That is all the time we have for today. Thanks so much for joining us, David. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. You can hear more from David and 11 other speakers at the upcoming National Cover Crop Summit on March 15th and 16th. To register for this free online event, visit CoverCropStrategies.com. Once again, I want to thank our sponsor. Montag Precision Metering Equipment is helping producers achieve their yield goals while saving on seed and input costs. For establishing cover crops, Montag's family of seed platform equipment adapts to a variety of major brand delivery systems that will conserve seed and nutrients along with soil and water. Explore new options for your production and conservation goals with your Montag dealer or on the Montag manufacturing website. For more information about all things cover crops, visit us online at covercropstrategies.com.